G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. I love that scripture that I must decrease that Christ would increase. I feel that's really what Christian stand-up is. It's let me stand here for half an hour and tell you how pathetic I am and show you how pathetic I am and show you that I even get worked up and frustrated by a sweet lady at the RSPCA. (laughs) And then let me tell you about the only hope someone like me has. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Uncle Nath is a stand-up comedian with an incredible backstory. At 15 years old, he dropped out of school and felt like he had no future. But as we'll hear, that all changed one day when a church did a tent crusade in a park and invited him to attend. We'll find out Uncle Nath's full story today and we might even have a few laughs as he shares his story with Eric Scatterbo. Welcome to the program, Uncle Nath. Yeah, thanks for having me, yeah. Glad to have you with us. And, you know, a lot of comedians, you find out their backstory and you find out there was a lot of pain in their life growing up. Does that have anything to do with your story? Yeah, yeah, it's very true. I've Nearly every comic I've met, that's been the situation. A lot of pain, sure. huh? Yeah, I think it's, I think maybe just laughter is really a, it can be a way of coping, you know. I guess you can, it's just a way of reacting that's a bit more positive. But yeah, for me, I, yeah, I grew up in a, I didn't grow up in a church family or a Christian family and my parents were divorced when I was probably about 11 or 12 and yeah, I just sort of grew up, you know, with my mum not being around and my dad just working hard and not, not being not being around and yeah, we, we just, it was quite a a difficult time and I was terrible at school, I was not very academic and I'd actually, mm-hmm. had, by the age of 15, I'd dropped out of high school, I was unemployable, I could hardly read and write very well and Really, I didn't have much of a future, you know, and yeah. I guess, um, yeah, that's where, where I was up to, yeah. And then what happened? What significantly happened in your life at that point? Yeah, well, the the real obvious turning point, which is, like, we were some young people that nobody wanted us around, you know. We, we couldn't, I couldn't get a job anywhere, like, literally in fast food, I couldn't get a job, I couldn't, we weren't welcomed um, Why do you think that was? Why didn't they want you around? Well, I think we were scruffy little kids roaming the street with a group of ten who didn't go to school, and um, we were shoplifting, and we were—we you know, weren't good kids. Oh, so you know? there might have been some reasons why they didn't, they didn't want you around. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So listen, young people, if no one wants you around, there's probably a good reason. Yeah. yeah so we weren't—we weren't little angels. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, when and you so, say yeah, we, we who, who all are you talking about for we? A uh, bunch of my classmates and other kids from the neighbourhood, other kids. From all similar uh, backgrounds, you know, just kids roaming the street. And, I mean, my house kind of became the place where if you're whopping school, you'd go to. So if I'd get up in the morning. And even sometimes when I was planning on going to school, there'd sometimes be seven kids in my house wow. who weren't going to school. And it was because, yeah, my, not having a mother around and also my dad, hardworking guy, he was up at like five or six in the morning running off to work, labour. Yeah, yeah, kind of, where, where was your mother? Uh, so after the divorce, my mum moved to another state. Oh, okay. And, and she was, you know, and she had s- some different I- issues, and she's changed quite a bit today, you know, like she'll mm-hmm. even come to church now. And uh, But at the time, you know, she was really had some mental issues and stuff like that and really 
just wasn't capable of really looking after us or or even talking to us on the phone, you know. So, well, that had a hurt. Yeah, definitely. I didn't, and at the time, I didn't realize how hurtful it was because everyone I knew had crazy families, and you know, so it was so you sort thought of a this bit, was just kind of typical. Yeah, it was just kind of normal, you know. It was, mm. We weren't seeing any any sort of what I today would call normal, but back then normal was chaos. Um, mm. And so you, kids would stay at my house if their dad was drunk or – and so then, yeah, our, because there were no parents around, my house became the house you went to when you were whopping school. And so all the kids from the neighbourhood would be at my house. Mm. And so, yeah, when I say we, that's what I'm talking about. And look, looking back as an adult, when – 15 kids on a school day come down to the shopping mall. Yeah, the security guard probably should shoo them along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we were sort of just, yeah, and, so, and really nearly every um, adult that I knew was uh, involved in drugs and, you know, when you're, when you're 15 and you're roaming the streets, those cool 19-year-olds that don't have jobs either are terrible role models. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And so really looking back, I was just a, that classic at-risk kid who really had no future. Um, and then one day out of the blue, a church built a, put a tent crusade in a park where we were growing up and they mm-hmm. invited us along to church and they invited you, us to their youth group. Had you ever um, seen anything like that before? No, nah, and there was just this big tent that said Jesus saves and um, they said... Um, uh, healings, like all this kind of stuff. And it was kind of interesting because it was a circus tent. Yeah. And the youth pastor was there, just approached us in the park, just being a bunch of wayward youth, and said, you should come tonight. It's free entry. Come along, you know, come and check it out. And um, So this is kind of a contrast because before everybody didn't want you around, now he's inviting you to hang out with him. Yeah, and that was the part of it. Like I was I, – I can remember as a kid like in, at bed – First of all, so I'm not. We're not going to go to that. That's silly. And then later on, I was thinking, I wonder why they'd want us there. You know, mm-hmm. like it, I hadn't experienced, especially adults, really wanting to spend time with me. Or I'd never, you know, when you're the dumb kid who's getting in trouble at school, you're not getting the teachers don't want to even spend time with you. You know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah. But then it got stuck in my head, and I actually went to the meeting with a couple of my friends, and they shared Jesus, and I literally lifted my hand and accepted Christ. Uh, I'm crying my eyes out. Wow. What touched you so deeply? I don't know. I can't, looking back, I just, I mean, now as a, as a Christian person, uh, you know, I can say it was just the, the power of the Holy Spirit, I think, mm. just God's. But at the time, I was actually quite afraid. I can remember going home feeling like I'm losing my mind. Like, I just cried in front of a bunch of my friends. I was really embarrassed. Um, mm. But I felt really accepted by these people, and there was this sort of the inclusiveness of them. Yeah. And I just knew that I knew that something was going to be different, you know. And then about a week later the youth pastor said there's a youth camp on and we really want you to come to it and I'm like $150, you know, we're not going to be able to. And they said, "Oh no, no, we're going to pay. Our church is going to pay for you to come. We want you to come." Wow. And I was like, I just it was just sort of love and acceptance mm-hmm. that was really quite confusing. You know, even when I told my dad, oh, they're paying for me, he was a bit like, who are these people? Like he was a bit sort of afraid, thinking it was like a cult or, a something. Cult or yeah. something like that. But, 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 but still let me go. But um, <laughs> It <laughs> might be a cult, but sure, it's might fine. Be a cult, but anyway, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Yeah, so, so I was, um, yeah, I wanted this camp. And again, now suddenly I'm around 
50 teenagers who love Jesus, aren't getting into fights, um, they were going to worship and church meetings, and it really just turned my life around. I, from that point, I, I started going to church, and the church just really just did what the church does. You know, little old ladies helped me put a resume together. Some other people really? bought me some clothes so I could go to a job interview. Just the kind of stuff that it sort of goes unnoticed a bit in church because it's not front and center, but yeah. Just those, even being invited over to someone's house for a Bible study and sitting in a house where the dad is there praying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, like, you understand, like, I hadn't seen a lot of what I would call normal yeah. back then. Like, I can remember the first time I was at church and I saw a dad putting his arm around his son and just sort of hugging him. And I was a bit like, whoa. Like, I thought the guy was, I thought it was like a sexual thing was happening. Mm. You know, like a... I didn't grow up in like a family where I was ever hugged or hmm. – and so I didn't actually – I thought something unusual was happening. So, yeah, it's very um, – I think for people who grow up in the church, the beauty of the church is missed by them because – You just kind of take it for granted. Know, yeah, you just think, oh, well, of course people are nice to you. Of course no one wants to fight They're you. They're supposed of to be that you way. Know, Yeah, that's just life, isn't it? And it's like, well, well, no. Like actually – that's the thing for my son. I mean, this is the power of the church. My son is growing up in a very different world mm-hmm. to what I grew yep. up in, and and the church changes people for generations. But my son, you know, for him when he hears that there's parents who leave their kids, that's very weird for him. Yeah, you know. So it's it's just a um, and I guess that's the challenge. I guess for my boy, he'll probably never fully grasp what the church is. Because it's just sort of, it's like people who grow up in Australia, they don't realize we've got a pretty nice place to live here, you know. Um, well, I mean, you've heard the phrase, a fish doesn't know that it's wet. Yeah, that's true. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, oh, I'm in water. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so true. So, what know? was the next uh, major milestone in your life? Well, I guess after that, I started um, volunteering in church. And then I, I was about probably 17, and I was one of the youth leaders, and I started actually preaching. And wow, so you were a youth leader? Yeah. I and mean, you've come a long way in a short time, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And I think I was just, I was incredibly passionate about Jesus. I was reading the Bible every night. I was like, just really desperate. I knew I'd grabbed something that if I ever let go of this, my life would be doomed. Hmm. And so I, even at a young age, I just knew I can't, I can't let go of this Jesus. If I, like, I just knew that this was, this was really important. And looking back, I can't believe I had the intelligence to n- know that I'd found something good. But yeah, I mean, I thought you were supposed to be the dumb kid all of a sudden. Yeah. You're, you're doing really well. <laughs> That's true, you know, like, and just when it came down to it, I just held on to the one good thing, you know. You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with stand-up comedian Uncle Nath. We just heard how he put his faith in the Lord and how that was beginning to impact his life. Next, we're going to find out more of his story and how he is now using comedy to share his faith with others. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. 
We're back with Eric Scatterbo chatting with stand-up comedian Uncle Nath, who's sharing his incredible story. We heard before the break how he put his faith in the Lord and how that was having a profound impact on his life. Now we're going to hear what happened next in his life. I just started preaching and then I started going into schools and preaching to other high school kids about Jesus. And people Wow, started, how old were you at this point? Uh, 17. 17 and, and that was the funniest thing because I met my wife at a school. So I was preaching in... Well, a, tell us about that. Yeah, so I'm preaching in a high school and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm younger than most of the students. And then <laughs> yeah. the student, my wife was a year 12 student, but she was a Christian and she came mm-hmm. from a long line of preachers and she was, they were all, her, a lot of her relatives are preachers. Wow, quite the contrast to your yeah. story. <laughs> so she came to just pray for this outreach, her and some of the other Christian girls. It was a public mm-hmm. school, a state school. Mm-hmm. And then I met back there and then, um, yeah, we started dating. You know, so I like met back. No, no, wait a second. How do you go from she just saw you two were, were dating? That's true. Well, we actually, afterwards, we went out for lunch with a bunch of all the different people and she came out to lunch because she was a senior and she was allowed to leave the school. And mm. then um, she started coming to my church, to our youth group, and we started dating. I mean, I, I think the first date we went on, we went and saw a movie and we caught the bus, you know. <laughs> so the first date we caught the bus and some of her friends were like, what are you doing with this guy? And I was really poor, you know. We didn't, like, we didn't, I didn't have a car and stuff, so... Uh, yeah, and, I'm curious to yeah. know, how did she react when she found out about your kind of rough background? I don't know. It just didn't bother her. Like, I think she mm. knew I shared some of the things and she met, you know, some of my relatives and she's got some wild stories of meeting some of my relatives. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, I don't know what it was. It just sort of. She uh, saw something in you, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, oftentimes she's, when She's talked to friends and that. She just said it was the first Christian guy I'd met my age who was really on fire for Christ and was mm. passionate about his faith, you know. And so even yeah. though she grew up in church, a lot of the guys her age that she'd known at church, they didn't really care about faith or, like, definitely yeah. weren't going to be going into a public school and preaching. So yeah, they weren't on fire like you were. Yeah, so she was like, this guy really loves Jesus, you know. And so that's mm. sort of what I think cut through a lot of the – um the other stuff. And then, see, yeah, the same we started dating, and her parents were not impressed one bit, you know. <laughs> and uh, you can imagine, like, a preacher's kid, all of her uncles and uh, all these preachers, and and she brings home some skateboard kid who's been a Christian for five minutes, who <laughs> has dropped out of high school and can't really read. You know, they weren't excited to see me. Um, but you know what? God is faithful, man. And, and mm-hmm. we're quite, now we are quite wealthy, you know. When Beck's parents visit my house now and they're sitting in my spa in this huge house and <laughs> I'm like, you like me now, you guys? <laughs> I'm not so bad now. You know, I know there's a thing. I mean, God God is faithful. You know, I just want to say mm-hmm. if there's young people listening, you know, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things, they'll be added on to you. Don't worry about it. You know, God yeah, is faithful. Yeah. And that, hmm. But today being a Christian comic does affect getting gigs at certain um a lot of the comedy yeah. scene, it's very left-wing, you know, like there's not yeah, a lot yeah. of... Be- before you get into that, I want to find out, how did you go from being on fire for the Lord, preaching in schools, to getting into stand-up comedy? How did that happen? Yeah, well, actually, I was 
I was, you know, when you're preaching in high schools and I used to preach in this youth prison, our church ran a chapel in the youth prison, mm-hmm. um, you've got to be really funny or they're not going to listen to anything you're going to say, you know. And oh, I really right? quickly learned that that comedy is the attention grabber because you get up there, you start talking about stupid things you've done or embarrassing stories. They really would quickly go, oh, this is interesting. And so comedy mm. would buy you time to talk about Jesus. And so I got better and better at making high school assemblies laugh and then share with them about the meaning of Easter or something. Yeah. Now, I'm just curious to know, I mean, were you a funny person in general or did all of a sudden comedy just spring out of nowhere? Um, yeah, I think it was, I was always, yeah, I was, I guess I was quite funny. Like with our friends would always be laughing and, and being self-deprecating, it's kind of easy when when you're me, you know, like, like I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't have much else than that, and so, and I found too when you go and make fun of yourself, it really melts a lot of barriers, especially mm-hmm. for young people, because yep. they're assuming that oh, this guy's going to come in and uh, and he knows everything, and um, but yeah, that, so I was sort of making people laugh, and then I kind of was becoming like the funny preacher, you know, so I was mm-hmm. like. Oh, we we got this thing where there's like a group of unsaved teenagers. Oh, if Nathan, we'll get Nathan to go and, and do his testimony or something, and and so I was funny preacher. Yeah, he's funny. He's funny. We'll get the funny. And and, he, and it used to sort of annoy me a bit because I was thinking at the time I was young and insecure, and I was like, no, I'm I'm a serious preacher. I like I proclaim <laughs> the gospel. I'm not fu-. like I just it was like it was upsetting me that I was being labelled as the funny preacher and sort of. Um, but then as I grew up, I just thought, well, you know, you sort of surrender more to Christ and you say, well, mm-hmm. I'll do whatever. Like, if this is what's needed, there's plenty of serious preachers. Um, and then I started learning more about comedy, and that was amazing. When I started reading books about it, I started to understand, oh, that's why that's funny. Oh, that's why that gets a laugh. And that's why that doesn't do so well. There's a lot of sort of like, there's sort of like some fundamentals to jokes that make them work. Mm. Um yeah, so then I started to get better at that, just being funnier. And then when I started doing outreach services with stand-up comedy as the attraction, it was just, a, I mean, it was a thought I, we had was that at, at my church was the stuff that the Christian gets super excited about, the unsafe person couldn't care less about. And so mm. my thing is always trying to get those people that aren't going to come to church. And so stand-up comedy, they know what it is. They can go and see a clip. They can see me yelling about cats on the internet <laughs> and then go, oh, it's, it's okay. And it, we've found it's just been bringing people to church who would never normally go to church, which that's what I love yeah. the most. And giving them a really positive first experience. So it's hard to be at a church laughing with Christians and then hate them. Yeah. You know, sort well, of, that's, you that's can't be pretty your, true, yeah. I'm just wondering what is kind of like an icebreaker that you use like, you know, when they come in, they're going to be kind of skeptical. Hey, who's this funny guy who's a Christian? How do you break the ice? Yeah, well, I got, uh, the night stuff goes great, especially in my hometown. So, yeah, you know, something like it was, a, it was a dream of mine to play for the Knights as a boy. And I would have played for the Knights too. It's just I had this problem where I wasn't any good. You know, people <laughs> seem to get a hold of this. And then just, um, yeah, stuff that just really quickly is saying it's self deprecating. I think mm-hmm. the quicker yeah. you can say to that unsaved dad, who's literally got his arms folded, thinking, oh, here we go, you know. Yeah. Um, come on, funny boy, give me some funny yeah, stuff. Yeah, what are you going to do, Christian guy? And, and the quicker you can smash up the idea that I'm better than you 
or that I'm yeah. a good person and you're a bad person, the quicker you can get through that, um, you know, I mean, and that's that's been a part of comedy, you know. It's like that's the message the world needs to hear, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not any better than you, and I actually have some challenges. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not better. I'm, more, I'm not even really like my, our message isn't isn't Nath a wonderful person? Wasn't he well raised? Our message is Jesus saves, mm-hmm. and so it's. I think it's some. I love that scripture that I must decrease that Christ would increase. Mm-hmm. I feel that's really what Christian stand up is. It's yeah. Let me stand here for half an hour and tell you how pathetic I am, and show you how pathetic I am. And show you that I even get worked up and frustrated by a sweet lady at the RSPCA, <laughs> and then, and then let me tell you about the only hope someone like me has, and that style of preaching is going to work in Australia. Like I just know it, yeah, because it's, well, it's, it's sort more of, endearing. Yeah, and it's sort of it, it gets through that you know, the tall poppy syndrome thing. It's like mm-hmm. no, 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 we're not the tall poppies, you know. We're more messed up than you are. And let me tell you how messed up I am. Yeah, let me demonstrate it. I'll prove it to you. <laughs> and it's and this is where stand up is so funny because you're very vulnerable. Like you're, yeah, you're, I'm, yeah. I'm telling like stand up comedy for me. It's that weird thought you have that you would normally never share with anybody. Mm-hmm. Share it to hundreds of people in a microphone. That's that's the way I do stand up. And it's wow. and then it's like people go and you and the first time you share a bit like that, it's um. You think, oh, this is—they're not going to like this, and then m- magically they go, "Yeah, I feel the same. I feel like that sometimes." You know? <laughs> and that's that sort of comedy. It's it's very scary, but the the rejection of comedy is just at a whole new level because you're, you know, if I go into high school and just do a plain preach about Jesus, if they're not interested, you kind of go, "Oh, they're rejecting Jesus," and that. But with comedy, it's like, no, 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 we know a lot about you now, and. We're rejecting you. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and we know so much about you, your darkest, weirdest thoughts. And no, no, we're, we're rejecting not rejecting that. Jesus. We're rejecting no, you. No, it's you. Yeah, we're rejecting you. Like, that's the, like all that stuff we've learned about you, we just do not like that. So, stand up comedy, it's rejection on a whole new. Oh, wow. <laughs> a whole new so, level. Yeah, you're really taking a risk there. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're very vulnerable. And, mm. and if somebody wants to sort of attack you, Either a secular person or even like a, someone who's a bit of a religious person, you're very vulnerable. Like, if you mm. want to point out that Nathan's not a good person, I've given you a lot of material now. <laughs> <laughs> you make yourself a very soft target. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, unfortunately, the time is just flying by here. Uh, we want to say some of the other important things that happened in your life. You've gone on to be a pastor. Yeah. So, yeah, after, you know, you start preaching a lot. People start saying to you, you know, you, you should go to Bible college. I think God's got a call on your life to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I went to Bible college. The church helped me go to that as well. Mm. And then I came out and I became a pastor of this church. Um, it's a Baptist church. And, yeah, I've been there for 10 years. So I've been the pastor of that church. And they've heard an astonishing amount of half-cooked jokes. That <laughs> 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 So my sort of process is I see something funny. I think it's funny. I make it into a bit of a joke. I pitch it to them on Sunday in the middle of a sermon. If they laugh, I'll test it out in the pubs. And if they laugh, it could end up being in the show. So that's kind of the so, so they're church. kind of your test audience. <laughs> yeah. And they are just, oh my goodness, they've heard so many things. Because sometimes stuff you think's hilarious is not. <laughs> and then so they've had to put up with a fair bit. But God bless them, man. They, 
they just <laughs> it's a light-hearted fun laughing kind of church and I think mm. God's put me in the only church that would put up with me you know so and where is the church uh, it's in Thornton which is a suburb um, on the outskirts of Newcastle uh, H2O Baptist Church so okay so if anybody's in that area and wants to hear some uh, test jokes yeah <laughs> test some on you <laughs> they may not be good but and then how do you want to wrap up uh, our conversation today well, I guess maybe I could just say maybe a call out if people would like to do an outreach service. I'd love to come and help you do it. Well, that's right. You do tour the country. Yeah. So if you are out there and you're pastoring a church or you're trying to think of what can I do to get the one lost sheep to come through the front doors and how can we get people who are never coming to church to come, this is just weird enough to get people <laughs> through the door. It's just quirky enough. I found local newspapers do stories about it. I've found that unsafe people will give it a go. And, yeah, I'd, I'd love to help you out with that. And don't get stressed out about the the money. Like, it's not about the money. I just want to get um, mm-hmm. help you connect with your community. And there's there's young people out there just like me in your city that desperately need Jesus, and I'd love to help you get to them. So, yeah, you can contact me on UncleNath.com, and we'll make it happen. Wow, sounds good. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Well, if anyone wants to take up Uncle Nath on his offer and have him do stand-up comedy at your church or your organisation, you can reach him through his website, UncleNath.com. That's UncleNath, N-A-T-H, dot com. Finally, I think it's great how Uncle Nath is using humour to lower people's defences towards things of the Lord. As the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit drains one's strength. So, Lord, help us to be your light in the world, sharing your joy with others wherever we go, so that they can meet you, the source of our joy and strength. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Uncle Nath's uplifting story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.